You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider of the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, The Driven and One Step Off The Grid. And joining me as usual is Solar Analytics, Nigel Morris. How are you, Nigel? I'm good. Thank you, Giles. You know, I just uh, actually swung around in my chair while I was waiting for you. I'm just going to pull my mic over and looked at the pictures on the wall and can see mould growing on the pictures, which is (laughs) indicative of the world that we live in. today you know uh who needs a pandemic or, 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 or we've got floods Fuck. it's another it's another indicative of the world we live in or your housekeeping but um, um... <laughs> so is that possibility you can't rule it out no besmirch um... me in the first 30 seconds but that's okay no it is very very wet and i'm nowhere near as wet as uh, as you my friend and, and everyone else out there so um well we you have know... 700 millimeters up here um in 24 hours and um, one point two meters in four days but um we've had a few issues on our property but nothing like what's been happening out in lismore which is a um, disaster area um i hate to think what they're going to find as the water recedes um and we know that some businesses have gone under um you know um, um, a couple of solar businesses and nickel energy um is underwater um from nick lake who's must be really feeling it too, because um, he invested quite a lot in refurbishing a pub in Lismore, and that's underwater as well. Mm. And um, there's some heartbreaking stories all around the place, and um, it's a um, it's a bit of a grim reminder of really of just um, I guess why many people are in this business is that um, these dramatic climate events can be quite devastating, quite sudden, quite surprising, and um, is um, one of the reasons why we're trying to do as much as we can. Yeah, you got it in one. It's a, it's a very um, brutal and stark reminder that, um, you know, we have, we've got to look after our planet. We've got to look after it, and if you don't look after it, you start to see events like this happen more and more. So, um, you know, yeah. It's horrible to think um, of, of, of what I've, I've seen snippets today um, from all around the country, uh, up and down the East Coast, of people um, uh, demonstrating how rough it's been. In, in, in the one surprising bit of good news, I did see a photo from a solar installer shop in Brisbane showing a number of inverters floating in the floodwaters, uh, highlighting how good the IP65 rating was on those particular inverters because the water couldn't get in. So his stock was floating literally around his workshop, <laughs> which was sad and impressive at the same time. Well, I'm glad we found a little ray of sunshine in the uh, in this news. Um, Nigel, it has been quite a fortnight since we last spoke. We've had Origin Energy um, announcing it wants to fast-track the closure of the biggest coal generator in the country. We've had Mike Cannon-Brooks and Brookfield um, teaming up for a bit at AGL, again, with the purpose of fast-tracking the closure of their last coal-fired power stations. We've had Andrew Forrest making all sorts of different announcements on hydrogen and huge wind, solar and 
battery storage facilities in the Pilbara and lately in, in Queensland. But with a bit, a bit of movement on the solar front too, um, LG has pretty much shocked everything, everyone, I think, by announcing that it's going to shut up shop. Um, you know more about this than I do, so I'm just going to let you hold the floor. Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't know that I know more, but, uh, you know, I've gone through this personally. Um, BP with BP Solar, Amico with SolarX, um, Bosch, who I was working quite closely for a while, who also exited, and, and now LG. Um, so, yeah, and, and I did make a couple of calls, pretty quick, smart, to try and find out from a couple of people I knew whether they were surprised, firstly, and the answer was yes. They were caught a bit by surprise and didn't expect um, HQ to, to pull the pin. Um, uh, on the other hand, you know, other people I spoke to said, well, you know, the challenge with having big corporate entities who have lots of strings to their bow and lots of product streams come into the solar space is that you end up being one of a mix of products. And so, you know, business is business. And at some point, um, if that business unit happens to be a solar business and it happens to be not delivering, then, you know, the risk is that they'll axe it. And uh, that's exactly what happened with BP, Amico, Bosch, and now LG. Um, um, interestingly, having said that, uh, you know, uh, someone highlighted to me the other day that LG axed their, their mobile phone business too. So, you know, they, they'll, it's not just solar. They're not just picking on us. Um, it's about keeping the business afloat. And um, so, you know, and, the, and the, really the, the, the big challenge for LG has been, you know, building scale with a premium product. And, um, you know, that is an eternal challenge for anyone in the PV industry. And uh, LG made a lot of maneuvers. They moved the manufacturing from Korea to China and then back to Korea and um, tried a number of different tactics to to get volume up and prices down. Um, but in, you know, they had 1.8 gigawatts of capacity. And in the global um, uh, global industry, that is not enough to be competitive and um, ultimately they ran out of, they ran out of steam for supporting the business, which is very, very sad. I, um, I've spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people and there is a big webinar coming up on Wednesday night hosted by one of our sponsors, actually Warwick Johnston from Sunwiz uh, on this exact topic. And um, you know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's a real challenge to know which way to head in this. But what we do know is that, you know, um, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. It's very painful. It's very uncomfortable for consumers. Everyone has to change their story a little bit. Um, and, and it leaves a lot of questions and things hanging up in the air, but we'll get through it. What sort of share do they have of the Australian market? Um, a few percent off the top mm. of my head, uh, okay. not huge, but, but a few, a few percent, um, but, they, but as, they, you, as you say, they're on the, they're on the, on the premium end of the market and what you're sort of saying about struggles with premium and getting scale, does that mean kind of as an industry, we've got to settle for second best? Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, um, I don't think we have to settle for second best, um, but I think like all consumer markets, and let's face it, PV is a consumer market, there is a lot of choice and it ranges from the bottom end 
right up to the premium end. And it doesn't matter what product you're purchasing, there is always choice. And PV is no different. Um, but it does make it particularly challenging in a consumer, uh, in a, in a commodity, fully commoditized market. Let me draw a parallel in cars. All right, you can you can buy a little Kia for you know fifteen thousand bucks, or you can buy you know a Bugatti for $3.4 million and the market accepts that. They accept that there's more value in a Bugatti than there is in a Kia and they're willing to pay a massive premium for it. The solar industry or the, the solar, the, every solar buyer can't see the value proposition there for paying, you know, that bigger premium. They can see some worth in a premium, but clearly in, in LG's view, there's not enough who are willing to pay enough extra to validate that premium product. Interesting stuff. Okay. Right. But with all this happening in the industry, um, Nigel, um, you've, um, well, I don't know whether it's all directly related, but um, you've kind of um, taken a deep breath and downgraded your forecast for the year. That um, doesn't sound very promising. <laughs> No, well, I have, and and I'd always rather come out earlier rather than later. And I, you know, people don't listen to me for forecasts anymore. I used to get people <laughs> listening to me, but not anymore. I just have a view now. But uh, I ask everyone I talk to um, about what they think is going to happen for the year, and 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 you know, um, try to try to give everyone a view on that. And uh, I was very bullish about this year, but I missed a couple of things. And the main one actually was the federal election. And it was actually a couple of um, a couple of other people I was chatting to who reminded me that you know the election's coming up, and I went, "Oh crap! I know what happens when we have elections." People sit on their hands because they are optimistic that they, if there's a change in government and there's a lot of talk of solar or rebates, and we've seen exactly this. We've seen talk of battery rebates already. The policy announcements haven't even started to you know spew out in the way that they will traditionally do in in, in an election period but they will come. Um, and so all sorts of promises are going to be made. So consumers do tend to slow down and just pause a little bit and go, hang on, there might be a bigger rebate here. So that always has an impact. Every federal election has an impact. So I'd, and I'd miss that one. Um, so I think that's going to cost us. Um, obviously, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine with Russia is, yeah, that's a mixed bag. That could end up highlighting energy security issues to the, benefit of the solar market because people start feeling nervous about energy and want more independence but on the other hand it, it's going to you know potentially if fuel costs go through the roof for example people are going to tighten their wallets uh, because they're um, you know they're getting hurt by that so you know that could go either way and then of course uh, the other thing that I've really learned over the last couple of weeks and I've been out on the road visiting a bunch of solar businesses and without exception, everyone is telling me that, you know, this year has really started out slow. And in fact, I was speaking to a very large uh, government entity who has good side insight into this. And they were saying, Oof, we were quite bullish on this year. And what's your view, Nige? You know, we're, we're starting to get a bit nervous that it, it isn't going to be as big. And I said, well, I, I'm actually of the same view. And he said, we're, we're looking at the numbers and they're not building yet. And that's pretty consistent with what I hear both in the wholesale supply chain, which is very overstocked at the moment, and also retailers who are sort of waiting for those leads to start flowing faster and conversions to start happening. It's just, it's been very, very slow. Um, and of course, the floods, uh, which weren't expected, um, 
are, are going to cost an awful lot of time and money and, and heartache and distraction, uh, if nothing else. And so, you know, uh, to me, uh, H1 is, is, is really you know, looking like a bust from the East Coast, which is the majority of the market. So, yeah, so I owe you a carton of beer already and we're only in March. Oh, I'll make sure it's non-alcoholic beer, Nigel. That's okay. Yes, yes. And then I'll get another one. Beer. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get a – it'll come in a canoe. <laughs> come in a canoe. It might have to. It might have to in a grappling hook. Um, yeah. Now, listen, look, we might just take a message from our sponsor right now. Clenergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Clenergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. Actually, I should have said one of our sponsors because we have three of them, Solar Analytics, Cleanergy and Sunwiz, and uh, we'd like to thank them all for their ongoing support. Nigel, I'm going to take another break away from a normal conversation. Um, SMA had their head of uh, global sales, um, um, Boris Wolf, out here um, in the past week, and um, I managed to catch up with him for 15 minutes um, last night. Let's have a listen to what uh, Boris Wolf had to say. Boris Wolf, um, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Thanks, Gilles. SMA, uh, you're, you're normally based in Europe. I presume you're based in, in Germany. In fact, I forgot to ask before the, uh, before the discussion, you're the head of uh, global sales for SMA. Um, and you are based in Germany? Exactly. I'm based in Kassel. That's a town with 200 inhabitants uh, right between Frankfurt and Hannover in Germany, uh, in the middle, right in the center. Mm. Okay. So where does Australia then figure in the sort of the global vision of SMA? I mean, SMA is a global inverter company. Australia, um, however important we may feel it is, is probably a relatively small economy. But um, what, how does it fit into to, to SMA's vision of the world? Yeah, it's a relative small economy, but uh, traditionally it's an important market for SMA. We started more than a decade back with uh, basically the residential business, where they supplied residential inverters to the, to the Australian market. And since a couple of years, roughly five years, the uh, market has developed a huge potential for uh, utility-scale solar applications. And we managed right from the beginning to engage with developers early on, um, supported them during the development process of projects and um, developed a pretty good and solid business. Um, and I think the, the Australian market, uh, the specialty of the Australian market is that there is a, a rapidly growing huge uh, installed base of renewables, uh, PV installations, on a quite uh, unstable grid. So very special grid conditions in Australia. The, bit, the grid is not very, really not matched, not meshed as in Europe, and um, so it's very difficult to to build huge gener power generation facilities um, in that environment. And all technology 
helped to do that in a controlled way without disturbing the grid so with a very sensitive um, 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 impact and control algorithms to, to control the network. Uh, we were closely, uh, are closely uh, collaborating with the, uh, the regulator in Australia, IEMO, with uh, the um, um, NSPs um, in, in, in Australia. And uh, I think that's, that's part of the success. Mm. To what extent is SMA and other inverter manufacturers being asked to do things that they have not yet been asked to do in other markets? I mean, you talked about the sort of the penetration of solar and, yeah. you know, the, 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 the challenges for managing that on the grid, particularly rooftop solar. I mean, yes. Um, yeah. What are you being asked to do that's not being done elsewhere? I think we have been asked to do this because there is a quite strict process to get a grid connection agreement in Australia due to the challenging grid conditions. And uh, we have that knowledge in-house and, and uh, made, it available, made it available for our customers, or, or customers are actually, in most cases, not even the developers, but made it available for our developers and provided support to also the, um, the grid operators in Australia. Because especially the first projects have shown, the first projects deployed to the Australian market have shown there is a um, uh, very difficult process to get a uh, utility scale installation to connect it to the grid, not disturbing the grid, not disturbing other PV uh, installations already connected to the grid at the same grid connection point or close to the grid connection point. Uh, in order to avoid oscillations of the grid at, at, at the grid connection point. Um, and that turned out, especially during the first wave of projects being installed in 2018, um, that this is a sensitive matter. And so de we deployed our experts to the Australian market and built up uh, resources because we understood very early on that this combination of weak of a weak grid, of, of difficult grid conditions, and um, a, a, a growing base of uh, PV installations is probably the, the good, a good blueprint for other markets in the future. And we will very soon see similar situations in, um, in uh, the Southeast Asian markets, in Latin America, maybe not in Europe. We have quite a... a a meshed network in Europe, um, but in principle, we have similar conditions. We will have similar conditions uh, there as well with um, uh, when the um, renewable target uh, programs of the uh, European governments of the European Union will, uh, will basically happen to, to materialize, uh, then we will see these challenges as well. So we mm -hmm. think that Australian market is pretty much a kind of um, good lab uh, to gain experience, to, to, uh, to uh, implement learning circles, to deploy the technology of the future, uh, because it's a, uh, a real good sample for global network challenges with increased penetration of renewables globally. Oh, Australia is as, as, as a test lab, which is, is an interesting no, idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not as a test lab, but I think we all learned. Um, uh, developers, EPCs, and also OEMs 
uh, learned very much in the in the very first projects deployed uh, to the grid. And um, we derived a lot of learnings from that experience and have implemented it in another iteration of uh, increased capacity of that knowledge um, and also um, uh, a better processes being in place to support our customers. I think we all had our lessons learned in the first round, mm. and um, I think we managed to to uh, improve our support to all the stakeholders in such a project. And because we really think that this is uh, it's a good good uh, blueprint for for other markets uh, to come. Well, that's right, and those lessons have been learned just as much by the regulators and the sort of the market institution, the market bodies, as they have been for for um, companies like yourselves um, mm. and the network operators because everyone's kind of learning as they're doing type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, yeah. And, and, and so all of this then actually leaves you quite well placed in sort of dealing with the challenges which will be discovered, no doubt, um, in other parts of the grid. I mean, you did mention Asia and I'm, I'm guessing probably parts of North America and other places will be... Um, Absolutely. Will, 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 be, will be similarly affected. It's interesting, isn't it? Because now invert. I mean, before the conversation was very much about sort of you know the, the big hardware, the, you know the the solar farms and the wind farms and the things like that, and um, and even the big batteries. Now mm. we're discovering that the actual key component is actually the business that you guys are in, which is the inverter technology. This is kind of like the software and the communications that kind of glues it all together. And it's actually really interesting now. We're starting to see the inverters being used and some of those controls of rooftop solar and, you know, those yeah. ability to sort of dispatch them and stop them uh, when needed. Um, but we're also starting to see that in the, in the case of grid-forming inverters because this is the technology that allows actually basically the last of the fossil fuel generators to be sort of shoved out the door. We don't kind of need you anymore for grid stability and grid system strength and inertia and things like that. We think we can do this pretty much with inverter-based technologies. Absolutely, and I mean the, the grid forming is um, is a is a wide field, I would say, and um, the experts they understand a lot of features that an inverter can um, 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 supply to the grid under the the uh, the, the term um, grid forming. So it starts that, of course, a inverter is not just grid following, but creating its own grid in case either a grid is not there or a grid is uh, disappears. Um, but it also um, provides, for example, the ability to uh, provide inertia to the grid. This is uh, necessary in order to have the protection mechanism and in a grid working uh, uh, providing short circuit uh, 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 characteristics to the grid, which is needed, because with a growing base of renewables, there will be less and less big rotating generators connected to the grid. And with these generators going away, there is the inertia those generators provide to the grid is missing. And this is something we can supply with grid forming inverters, and uh, we think this is this is the next step. Now we see first projects being installed in in Australia and in other countries. Um, in other countries, mainly for for test purposes, uh, but that's the thing that needs to happen in the grid in order to fully deploy renewables and get rid of conventional 
uh, 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 fired power plants with big rotating generators. And you've gotten a significant contract at Torrens Island where they're building a what will be the biggest battery, which is sort of you know dedicated, not entirely, but sort of you know sort of largely focused on sort of grid forming um, technologies. I mean, how significant is that particular um, project? I mean, general the 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 feature there is that um, uh, it's it's the largest project which will uh, contribute to the stability of of the grid there um and there is of course many sophisticated functions that that are added by the grid forming inverters and also here this is this is just the first project we are we are we see in the market with um um a grid forming technology uh, other projects are are coming uh, currently we are supporting a lot of customers um, uh, with uh, de- with the development of such projects so this is just the beginning this is uh, but this is a major step in uh, in australia and uh, yeah and we think that for example there are cases where uh, synchronous condensers are added to overhead lines in order to uh, provide features to the grid which are necessary to to ensure a stable operation and this is definitely something we can get rid of with um uh, with those uh, grid forming inverters they of course um need uh, batteries in order to supply the energy which is uh, necessary to to form the grid actually uh, so uh, we think that this is just the beginning of that that trend necessary mm. for the total decarbonization and uh, decentralization of power generation and, and, and without giving away any sort of confidential, uh, sorry, sort of, um, confidential discussions, uh, are you seeing other projects of this type and of this size coming down the pipeline? Not necessarily of that size, but definitely of that type. Um, some of them in the same size, some of them, many of them smaller, and we see that uh, that happens on a global scale. We, has ju- we have just um, commissioned a project in Germany, uh, very close to a factory, uh, with uh, with a 70 megawatt uh, uh, battery size, so uh, definitely this is this is this is currently just the beginning of that uh, trend of grid forming inverters. How hard is it to keep ahead of the competition in this? Because this must be everyone's kind of evolving at the same pace, or maybe at different paces and things like that. You know, you've got some of the other big players who are sort of coming into the market, and um, you know. Um, the freelancers of the world and the Teslas, I mean, two competitors that may not have been there um, a couple of years ago. Um, you've got to keep on peddling quite hard, I'd imagine, to, to maintain your leadership. Absolutely. And the key is technology, but also the, the key is also that we, we stand to our values. So we are definitely not the, the supplier which uh, will be able to provide the inverter for the lowest price. And we see definitely a trend in and a very concerning trend, I think, in, uh, especially in the, in the utility segment of power plants being built cheap because the, the EPC who is building the, um, the power plant is just uh, responsible for the first two years of operations. Then uh, it's handed over to the O&M provider of the plant, the, the PC is usually taking the buying decision of the inverter, but this is not the business we want to be in. We want to be, um, we want to be a partner for life. We want to provide sustainable solutions for the power generation in the future. Um, we want to be there to support the asset over the entire lifetime or 
inverters are designed to last for 25 years. We even offer uh, uh, service packages for during the entire lifetime of the asset. And we also want to provide um, uh, upgrades after five, 10 years operating uh, of, the, of the asset, operating time of the asset, because we see that a PV plant, which is built now, might need a, uh, an option to add uh, DC-coupled batteries to it, depending on the, the changing grid environment where the plant is, is located on, um, and uh, or inverters uh, have that uh, feature and that option to be added uh, later on. And so we really, we really value long-term uh, partnerships, sustainability, and not definitely not the cheapest inverter that can be bought on the market, but might fall apart after five years. <laughs> <laughs> How much of a problem is that? I mean, you know, we, we, we just sort of hear for a while that, you know, it's sort of cheap and cheerful and people sort of bottom fishing for, for prices and sort of, you know, lots of, lots of problems, you know, be it on rooftop level or even, heaven yeah. forbid, in utility scale level. I mean, is that still a problem? I mean, are there too many sort of cheap competitors out there which are sort of, um, you know, causing problems um, possibly for your business model, but also more importantly for the grid? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, uh, that's definitely the case. We have we have just, I think it was last, uh, time is flying, was it last year or the year before, we have just repowered a 120 megawatt uh, plant in Australia, which has been, which was even under, still under warranty from the original uh, supplier uh, because it simply didn't, didn't match the, the the quality expectation of the of the customer, and we definitely see that happen globally. A lot of plants are built just cheap, and I think this is going to be a problem in the future, um, where really, renew, I mean, renewable without sustainability isn't really renewable, and um, and, and this is uh, definitely an, an issue uh, we see. But we also have many customers and many partners, many developers, many. IPPs and asset owners will value a quality and also take the uh, the OPEX uh, um, into consideration and not just the initial investment uh, of CAPEX in a plant. Mm. I'd love to know, uh, for example, actually I thought everyone's, everyone's asked the question, which, which plant are you talking about in Australia that had to be repowered? Um, there's some, this is information I'm, I'm not able to share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, that sounds like a sound note to a, a, a sound way to end the interview. But look, we are running out of time, um, uh, um, Boris. Um, thank you very much for joining the podcast, and uh, wish you all the best. And look forward to hearing from you again, um, particularly as some of these new grid forming inverter projects come to pass. Great, thanks, Giles. Thanks a lot. And that was Boris Wolf from SMA. And Nigel, you've already sort of berated me for not sort of focusing, well, for focusing too much on the large scale, you large scale stuff and some of the grid inverter things and not sort of focusing in on some of the issues that they've had in the local market, which is getting validation of their meeting the standards and sort of staff turnover and things like that. Um, look, it's kind of interesting where we're sitting with inverters and, and the rapidly changing demands of them and the rapidly changing opportunities that they have and playing the sort of key role in the grid. Um, but we're kind of seeing some sort of interesting things that are happening at local level in sort of terms of competition and turnover and things like that. Yeah, and, and look, you know, SMA are one of those uh, amazing companies. I actually visited their, their facility many, many years ago, but uh, I've actually been to, I think it's in Castle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it is there. 
Uh, yeah, an incredible facility, even all those years ago. And, um, you know, they, they were genuinely, you know, an inverter manufacturer of epic proportions with a you know huge range and doing all sorts of wonderful things and indeed still are but um you know they uh, they're facing some real challenges here um in australia and um um uh, i should have been a brief really. myself i should have been i should have been a brief myself before and, and and put some of those questions to to boris but um, um there you go i was <laughs> but look, I was, I was, I was, I was too busy worrying about all the mud in the pool that um, I forgot to do some proper research and give you a call beforehand. I mean, what what really impresses me is they have, you know, all this experience behind them. They have all this amazing technology behind them. They clearly have, you know, many, many clever people uh, internationally and locally, of course. Fantastic team locally. Um, and, and it's uh, what I'm what I'm waiting to see is how are SMA going to reinvent themselves in in you know, in the face of, um, you know, what's ever-increasing competition um, mm. and, and, and rapid innovation from all sorts of players around the world. And when you, when you look at the changing of market share in Australia uh, in terms of inverters, um, you can, it, it never stays the same and there's been some big, big shifts. So um, I can't wait to see what the guys from Castle come up with next. <laughs> no, you can be so diplomatic sometimes um <laughs> tell us what we've been um, um and let's talk about our other podcast at the moment i mean i'm just going to sort of uh just sort of uh, boast about the energy insiders podcast we had mike cannon brooks on last week this week we have um snowy hydro which is interesting and on the driven podcast uh, well, last week we had the, uh, the head of Kia in Australia, which was really interesting because they just launched EV6 and we're just sort of talking about the supply issues there and the fact that they can sell 10 times as many if they actually had enough in stock. And we're seeing sort of, you know, um, sort of blockages all over the place. So a lot of people want to have an EV but can't get one because there's just not none available. And that includes Malcolm and Lucy Turnbull who have put their hand up for a Tesla Model 3, but we're going to have to wait a fair few months for it. But um, Chris Bowen, the energy spokesman for Labor, has got his Model 3. He ordered it a couple of months ago, got it this week, or got it last week, and so we've done an interview with him, which is kind of interesting because he sort of talks about the Tesla, the EV transition, what he proposes to do about it if Labor get power in the May election, and, um, and of course, on some of those things that Mike Cannon-Brooks and... Um, and origin um have been up to we've discussed at the start so that's three great podcasts to listen to and there's another great one last week from great solar business well yeah we're really interesting conversation about glassless solar modules from sunman um, i thought it was interesting um and, and it was really about how do you make the solar pie bigger which is you know an, an eternal question because you know we face challenges uh, all the time around you know how do you get solar onto that roof it's not strong enough or how do you get solar onto that roof because you know it's 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 unique and i need a different product to solve it so and i haven't done many technology you know, deep dives into technology. So, you know, I pushed um, old Thomas pretty hard on on uh, some of the technical details about his product. So that was um, that was a good chat. And I've got a uh, I've got a what I think will be quite an interesting chat coming up for the next episode too, um, uh, with the title "Are Grants Worth the Effort?" Uh, mm. And without, I'm not going to give away who my guest is, but let me tell you, my guest has probably secured more grants for more solar companies in Australia than anybody else ever. Very, very, very good at it. Uh, I will uh, let on that uh, my guest is a woman. 
Um, and um, I have been recalcitrant in not having more women on my show. And so I'm delighted to have not only a woman, but a very, very esteemed woman who is is a, a cracker at securing grants, is going to share some of the secrets of how to do that well. A grant whisperer. A grant, exactly. The grant whisperer. <laughs> I look forward to that. title. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to that, and I welcome the uh, the increased gender balance too on the Great Solar Business Podcast, and um, may that continue to evolve. Um Nigel, um, that'll be up next week then. Um, what else is happening? There's some consumer warnings running around. What's going on? Oh, yeah. Look, this is, um, this is a cracker. Uh, and in fact, big shout out to, uh, to Luke Miles, actually, who brought this uh, to the world's attention via Facebook. Um, uh, Luke um, uh, highlighted a story that I ended up digging into and doing quite a lot of investigation and speaking to quite a lot of people too, and it actually came up um, through a number of other um, uh, industry bodies that I'm involved with where the same type of claims had been coming up. And um, so it's a consumer warning, and uh, be warned, there are companies masquerading as inspectors. Now, this isn't the first time we've heard this. What the hell would they, the hell would they want to do that for? Well, there's a play here. There's a play here if you're cunning. So they come in, they basically claim to be an inspector, might be with a phone call or a letter or whatever else. And we've seen a little bit of this before. Um, in some cases, they're, you know, loosely associating themselves with the Clean Energy Council, the Clean Energy Regulator to give themselves an air of authority. They come in, they inspect your system, they write up a very official looking report, basically saying, oh, yeah, no, it's dangerous, dangerous, and it's not working. Um, uh, aren't you lucky you got us there? And then they suggest you claim that on insurance. Uh, they very conveniently slip you a quote at the same time for a replacement so that if you do happen to get it replaced under insurance, you have a quote in hand from a solar company that uh, very nicely uh, identified that the system wasn't working. Um, and in more than one case, and in fact, this was the one that uh, brought it to the fore, uh, the inspection not only happened uh, while the consumer was not even home, but the company who came in and uh, allegedly did this inspection uh, decided the inverter wasn't working, removed it from the client's premises without the client's uh, permission and just took it away and left them a note saying, sorry, your system was unsafe and wasn't working. We've taken your inverter. Here's a quote for a replacement. Get onto your insurance company. Turns out the inverter was working. There was nothing wrong with the system. It wasn't a new system by any means, but there was nothing wrong with it. Um, and so in this particular case, uh, the police were called. Uh, and uh, the company who took the inverter was asked to post-haste return the client's property, reconnect it, uh, and an installer, another installer came by, reconnected it up, system fired up just fine, uh, and it turns out when I spoke to someone else who had been involved in this around the fringes, they went, ah, oh, yeah, I know who that company is, that's beep, and uh, I've been to at least half a dozen places where they pull exactly the same stunt. So be warned, be warned, don't, uh, yeah, be very, very careful if someone comes in uh, claiming to be an inspector or claiming to, um, you know, need to do certain things and certainly don't let anyone take your property. Um, They've gone into an awful lot of trouble to be um, liars and deceptive and um, try to con people um, into new equipment. That's, that's um, it's quite amazing, really. It always, well, it always, it, it always does amaze me as to the efforts that people will go to to lie and cheat and yeah, where nothing deceive. is not innovative. Eh? 
Oh, I don't um, give that much credit. <laughs> no, no, it's appalling. It's appalling. And typically, they're 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 choosing customers who you know are, are um, maybe not as well as informed or not able to uh, to argue so well, um, which is which is just uh, horrible, horrible story. So anyway, we'll see what comes out of that. Um, and interestingly, it, it just completely by coincidence, during the same sort of a uh, couple of days of this story. Um, emerging i i actually met uh, a solar owner at an event that i was at who who sort of went oh yeah i've got a story like that i got a letter from a lawyer the other day uh telling me that they were going to come and inspect my system and that you know something was wrong and blah 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 and uh and uh do you think it's legit or do you think it's a scam and i said look there are some scams running around it, it's probably the same type of thing so you know don't don't rush into it but i followed up and this was an interesting one because in this case, it was legitimate. A little bit of research uh, showed that um, the um, lawyer had written to the solar owner on behalf of a solar wholesaler who was also an STC trader. As an STC trader, they had entered an uh, enforceable undertaking uh, with the clean energy regulator because their installer one of their one of their customers, their dealers, had been caught out uh, inappropriately installing, or his, his credentials weren't correct, and so there was concerns about the safety. That got caught by the clean energy regulator. The STCs therefore potentially have to be refunded, and as part of the enforceable undertaking, the wholesaler who was also the STC broker had to arrange to get those systems inspected and or rectified as part of the process. So this was actually a good news story. It was actually a wholesaler uh, reaching out through a lawyer to do the right thing and try and solve these problems and make sure the system was safe. Um, but it kind of, so in this case, you know, to the consumer, I eventually came back and said, no, 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 this is legit. Let them come in, let them get a good person there, get your system inspected, potentially get it replaced if they advise you to do so. Um, but it does highlight that, you know, two two cases in the same week, one which was, uh, you know, bordering on, on theft and fraud, uh, allegedly, and the other, which was actually a legitimately, um, you know, a company um, doing the right thing and, and actually, um, so it's confusing. It's confusing. It is confusing. Well, it just shows that um, do your research and particularly if you get sort of approaches out of the blue, make some inquiries and um, find out whether it is legit or not. Nigel, I think that about it takes us to the end of the, um, of this week's podcast. I think it does. Oh, you sound very disappointed. Um, I just want to clarify too. Um, sort of sitting at our best to Nick Lake, and when I said that uh, nickel en energy was underwater, I meant that quite literally. It's underwater. It's wet. It's not sort of collapsed or anything like that. Um, <laughs> good call out. Good call, <laughs> good call out. out. I just want to just want to say everyone just sort of thought that, that was um, that was the case. No, no, it's a terrible thing. Um, so yeah. there'll be some cleaning good up there. Good luck to everybody. So, um, good luck to gosh. everybody who's out there. Absolutely, and um, and good luck trying to find a tradie afterwards uh, to try and help fix it. Um, that's going to be one of the issues up here, I think. And um, and the supermarket shelves were already empty when I went in there this afternoon because Byron is basically cut off from the rest of the oh, world. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Anyway, yeah, first world patience, problem. Patience world problem. and uh, lots of goodwill uh, being shared around everywhere, I trust. Yeah. Nigel, we'll be back in a fortnight. Uh, do check out Great Solar Business next week and our other podcast, The Driven Podcast and the Energy Insiders Podcast. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Sunwiz, Clean Energy and Solar Analytics. 
thank you, Nigel, for having on board. And um, my God, someone's just gone past our, up our driveway in an electric bike. Looks like a milk delivery too. That's very strange. Um, with that rather intriguing and novel ending to the um, Solar and Sellers podcast, happy to all goodbye. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sumwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.